Well, you're here again, and that means you're listening to another ad read for Patreon.com slash House of Decline. That's right, Patreon.com slash House of Decline. H-A-U-S of Decline. For, for $3 a month, you get 30 extra comics. You get f- for $5 a month, you get uh, 30 extra comics plus four more podcasts. Uh, for $25, you get commissions, although we might be discontinuing that soon. <laughs> After recent events that I will not talk about because they're boring. Uh, but at any rate, go to patreon.com slash house of decline. Also go to houseofdecline.com where you can get all our hundreds and thousands of free podcasts, comics, and more. Yeah, you so, should go to houseofdecline.com because coming soon, we're going to have our own House of Decline AI integrated with the website. And you will be able to ask the AI questions as if it was actually Alex. That's mm-hmm. right. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to implant all of his sexual memories into an AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll plant all, all seven of them. You, you will be able to have sex with Alex as an AI. You will be able to have sex with me. And it's okay because I consented to, I, I, I did a blanket consent form. So, you know, it's not using my likeness. Uh, without consent. You will be having consensual sex with this AI version of me. Well, you have to use a blanket consent form because yeah. all of these things are taking place under the sheets. Yes, you, it's a big... The AI is housed in like a big square robotic casing and you have to, you know, you have to put your genitals next to the pleasure, uh, the pleasure node. Yeah, yeah, nodular. It's nodular. It's nodular, yeah. <laughs> That's what we say. And, you know, it comes apart, too. You know, you can put it in different forms, so it's modular and nodular. <laughs> That's uh, ideal for a product. I mean, being, yeah. being modular yeah. and nodular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what you want in all of your technology. Um, I think that's the problem with touchscreens. You know, we, we thought touchscreens were the future, but... In the far future, they always have nodes, mm. you know? They're always, like, massaging big, like, d- bio-organic, you know, dome-like entities that glow when you put your hands next to them. And yeah. so I think... I'm getting the adjective thrumming. Like, it's thrumming. Yeah, it's thrumming. Like, there is sort of a, a, a coursing liquid... Uh, organic chemical in it that also contains millions and millions of uh, bits and bytes as well because we learn to encode it onto uh, genetic material and you know you stimulate those nodes and it sort of it also moans a little as well <laughs> because you know that's just the sound it makes it goes uh, uh, but and we'll, we'll just get used to that as as the technology uh, becomes yeah. replaces everything in our life you know yeah. Buy te- iPhones uh, nodes. <laughs> um, it's crazy how much we depend on our uh, our technical our technological devices these days. Everyone is talking about it. Yeah, um, I'm addicted. I'm I'm addicted to my I'm taking all the phone pills. I, I shrink my phones and I, I put them into little gel capsules and eat them. Yeah, would you say everyone is phone pilled? Yeah, everyone has been phone pilled. Yeah. Mm. Nobody's using uh Nobody's using books anymore. Well, I heard, you know, I heard in the New, the New York Times, uh, my friend, had an article about the Zoomer Luddites. The Zoomer, the Zoomer Luddites, you say? Yeah, there's a whole movement of them at, like, one of these small liberal arts colleges that are the enemy of the people, if you, if yeah. you recall. Yeah. 
Yeah, they are definitely uh, conspiring against us. Everyone who goes to Bodoin. Bodoin? Yeah. Middlebury? You know, all I those. Think it's all Bodoin. Those Bodoin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at Bodoin College, you know, they have their cabal of Luddites. They're doing Ted Kaczynski stuff. Yeah. They are trying to, Art. like, do, I don't know, farming, maybe? Sure, that sounds good. I mean, you know, I, I encourage people to learn how to farm. That's a decent skill. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Farming. Uh, great Are you skill. But it's farming, but it's not on your phone? <laughs> Are you sure about that? Are you sure that you can do farming without your phone? I don't know about that. What if there was an app for farming? What if you could... There was. <laughs> okay, the, do you know about App Harvest? No, what is so that? So that's what that they tried to do that here. Well, not here. I mean, by here I mean America. Um, mm-hmm. So App App Harvest was like a tech Silicon Valley startup that was going to go revitalize Appalachia. App, sorry, Appalachia. I think is how you say it. <laughs> Appalachia. Uh, they were going to go revitalize the mining areas in Appalachia and replace them with basically like Uber for farming. <laughs> and and they were going to sounds bad. So I think they were like going to grow tomatoes in a warehouse with gig workers that would and and then you could <laughs> then you could order a tomato from the farm from the and it was you could order a single tomato right. from the farm so and have it guess in a what? package. Guess what? Didn't it, work. It didn't work out. No, no. Um, basically, according this is all sourced from the Trillbillies uh, Workers Party podcast. So if I get a detail wrong, go yell at them, not me. Shout yeah. out! I love those guys at that. They're podcast. great. My favorite fucking podcast is Trillbilly Workers Party. And anyway, yeah. Um, apparently, the deal was that these people who set it up were expecting like these southern states, like Kentucky to legalize marijuana and then they were going to just like kind of stop growing tomatoes and start growing weed and that did not happen so mm. well i i think uh, so it was called you'd, you'd think app harvest would work an app based in appalachia would work because that's where they're from <laughs> you know it was named after its apps that's why it's called that uh they're naturally growing apps on the trees there Actually, that's what they were mining all those days. It wasn't coal. Coal is, is like an app. It's just an app, really, when you think about it. Helps you do something uh, more effectively, quicker. And, you know, so they were... Uh, but now they take those apps and they put them in gel capsules and, and I'm addicted to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, and, you know, if, if there's anything, you know, we know how bad the pill situation is in Appalachia as well. So it all comes together. It all comes together, really. Was it called App Harvest because it was an app or because it was geographically situated in Appalachia? Both, my dude. Whoa, that's so (laughs) clever. That's nuts. I know. They're geniuses. Mm -hmm. I think the founders basically came up with the name and nothing else. (laughs) I like the idea of coming up with the name first and then going, uh, uh, (laughs) what could it be? What could it be? Yeah, I think that's a joke from the Dilbert television show, um, which uh, you are you, you have an encyclopedic, I'm a huge fan. encyclopedic knowledge of <laughs> noted fan of the Dilbert TV show. Yeah, in the first episode, uh, they they are pressuring him to come up with a name for something, and he comes up with the Gruntmaster Five Thousand, and then they later turn it into an exercise machine. Mm-hmm. They figure out it's going to be an exercise machine. 
And that's the overarching first season plot of the Dilbert Television Show. But uh, today is uh, today is sort of a sad day, but also a good day because uh, it, things change and things move on. But Stephen, uh, something's happening with you. Yeah, I have uh, some bad news. This is going to be my last episode. Except for the bonus episode, which you could get if you go to patreon.com slash house of decline and subscribe for $5 a month. You can hear my actual last episode, which is going to be wild and raunchy. And we're going to have sex with the Alex AI on. Yeah, we're going (laughs) to. It's just going to. All the Alex AI shouts is I'm a little boy. I'm a little boy. Over and over again. I'm just a little boy. That's what yeah. it shouts. We had to train a new voice model, like a whole like speech like text to speech voice model to to sound like that. It's yeah. It's my um It's because he loves swans so much. Well we, it's we, my we, swan we, song. I mean it's my swan yeah. song to House of Decline is this yeah. AI that you can have sex with that has all of your sexual experiences in it. Yeah, and and uh repeats the lyrics from the Swans album to be kind and just says, I'm just a little boy. <laughs> I'm just a little boy. That's what it says. Yeah. So um, that's why you got to go subscribe on patreon.com slash house of decline. That's H-A-U-S of decline. You can Mm -hmm. also hear the back catalog. There's 50 bonus episodes with my sweet, sultry voice if you need more Steven. Um, But listen, listen, folks. Uh, I'm having another baby. Woo! And that's why we're happy. That is why yeah. this is actually a nice thing. But that is I need happening. my time. I gotta get a job so I can pay for these kids. Pay for these goddamn kids. <laughs> yeah. I gotta get a job and pay for these kids, Alex, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I gotta get and then and then I'm gonna have no free time except the weekends. And I gotta do stuff like feed the baby, change the baby, pat yeah. the baby on the back. You know, yeah. put the baby on the tummy for tummy time. Yeah, you can't do that while podcasting. It's very difficult, and ser- like I don't have a sophisticated enough gait that can keep mm-hmm. out the baby screaming while I'm talking. Uh, the baby gate, right, yeah. Yeah, you need a, a an audio baby gate. An audio baby gate, not the one that keeps them from falling down the stairs. That's right, of which we have yeah. many. We have many baby gates. No, but my whole life, my whole life's different now, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. I have to do a lot yeah. of baby stuff, because right now we have a uh, one-and-a-half-year-old. And so we're going to have two under four, I believe is a, a term. It's a baby term for online baby people, which mm-hmm. i got to say, I, I don't really get into that community. Um, yeah, the online parents who are sort of fretting about their parenting of children... Uh, that seems to be like a, a community that lends itself to paranoia and conspiratorial think. Or am I wrong about that? Sure, probably. Yeah, I don't know. You're I not mean, part of it. You, know? I, You're I, not, I don't, you don't that's engage. Not, that's not the actual, that's not the reason for me, I mean. Because um, I just find them to be judgmental, generally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of it is like being like, this is how I do it, and I have really good results. And if you do it the other way, that's child abuse. What yeah. you're doing is child abuse, okay? You cannot let the, like seriously, like they're like, if you let your kid have a pacifier, that's child abuse. <laughs> if, if you give your baby formula, that's child abuse. 
It's like, but these if, things. If you use an epidural during <laughs> pregnancy, then that just might be mm-hmm. child abuse. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Foxworthy as a pregnant woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> online, <laughs> online pregnant Jeff Foxworthy. AI, please generate an image of very online pregnant Jeff Foxworthy. Bleep. Okay. Beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. I'm just a little boy. I'm just a. Li- <laughs> oh, I forgot to turn that setting off. It's still no, on no, only, no. only Alex having sex. Yeah, only swans. Mm. Only Alex <laughs> having sex by swans. Um, <laughs> um, yes. So uh, I I thought today, uh, in honor of uh, Stevens going on. Uh, we're going to discuss some Steven subjects. Yeah. One of which he's been wanting to discuss for a while, uh, uh, which is uh, that uh, Gene, the writing of Gene Wolfe. The writings of Gene Wolfe. Have, I have been reading Gene Wolfe. Um, basically, I spent all of 2022 reading Gene Wolfe, and I read something called The Solar Cycle, which is a series of, tw- I think it's 12 books? Mm-hmm. And they all sort of take place in the same universe, but they take place all over the same universe, which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. The The breadth of the entire cycle is vast. Mm-hmm. They cross galaxies. Um, but it starts off in a rather kind of like fantasy type setting. Uh, mm-hmm. People sometimes call him uh, science fantasy. Um, yeah, but that's not really accurate. It's just because they're even within the fantasy setting that like all of what's being achieved or what seems like magic to them is like hard science stuff. There are like reasons and, you know, uh, logic behind it. And it's hard magic. That's it's right. hard magic, as Brandon Sanderson would say. Yeah, it would. And we should discuss Sandy Sanderson. Yeah, we'll discuss Mandy Sanderson um, very soon as well. Adam Sanderson. Adam Sanders, Bernie Sanderson. Well, I have a theory that Brandon Sanderson is actually a robot and that robots live among us. Um, And there's actually, that ties in to Gene Wolfe because as we find out in Gene Wolfe, robots do live among us. So, Well, spoilers, I guess we should say spoilers for the the Sun Cycle series from here on out. There's just going to be some general spoilers, but um, it's pretty hard to spoil a book like this where so much happens because there's no yeah. one, there's no it's not like a, a marvel movie where there's like one ending and mm-hmm. it, and they save they save the whatever this is like yeah. a sprawling thing that you have to experience so there's no real spoiling it but um in the first part of the solar cycle it's called the book of the new sun mm-hmm. and that one starts off in kind of a you feel like it's like a fantasy. You feel like this mm-hmm. feels like fantasy because they're talking about swords and uh, yeah, and about pol- pole arms and oubliettes and you know lots of uh, yeah, lots of archaic, lots of sort weaponry. of medieval sounding stuff. And yeah. for some reason, like there aren't like regular animals too. They're prehistoric animals like smilodons. That's how they refer to them. Or yeah, yeah, something like that. So, so yeah, there's a very anachronistic uh, feeling to it. But what's interesting is that, as you were saying, it it's it's um, hard magic, or rather, it's for, it's forgotten science. Yeah, it's forgot. It's so far in the future of an advanced civilization that the the civilization has collapsed, and all of their like record keeping 
is sort of hidden away and most people don't know like how they had rocket ships that could fly in outer space it's it's they just basically think that was magic and that the people who mm-hmm. did that were magicians or sorcerers yeah um which you know that sounds plausible to me is if our our civilization might advance to a certain point and then have a collapse mm-hmm. and then the people are like did like did did they really have airplanes in the in the 2000s back in the 2000s yeah. did they really have everyone was able to fly on an airplane uh, well, what I, I really like about that is, like, when you see, like, a post-apocalyptic thing on television, it's always, like, 10 or 20 years after the post-apocalypse, but, like, what would, like, 400 years after the post-apocalypse look like? 400 or 500 years after, like, right. humans have started to rebuild again. So this and is a very yeah. deep world. Um, yeah. The world of the of the Book of the New Sun is, is 4,000, 5,000 years old or more. And so all of those, there have been rising and falling cycles of civilizations. And there will probably be, after the American civilization collapses, there will be something that comes out of that eventually. Wonderful China. Wonderful, wonderful, dear, wonderful friend of the pod, China. Yeah. Please come on the pod. China's a guy. (laughs) China will will come on, and he'll be like, I have lots of anti-PC opinions. I'm wacky. I'm China. (laughs) That's how he sounds. Uh, um, And uh, after that, uh, we'll have just sort of generalized global civilizational collapse due to the climate change, and then out of that, Mm -hmm. we'll maybe have some new countries, and then some genius will be like, what if everyone, what if we had banks? No, uh, and then, yeah, we'll reinvent banks, but they'll be good this time because yeah. they'll have forgotten technology. It'll be like, in, Al- in like Alexander Hamilton 2.0 is like, what if we had a bank everywhere? Um, yeah. That's what he was like. That's what he, exactly what he, he, he sounded like this too. I'm Alexander Hamilton. I'm rapping in the Scamilton. <laughs> I'm fucking with the Flamiltons. You know, that's, that's how it should be rapped. Yeah. Um, in that sort of Weasley, <laughs> Weasley voice he had, but yeah, Book of the New Sun. Yes, uh, it's uh, the overarching theme. If I, I, I barely understand. I read the first fifty pages of Claw of the Conciliator, which is the first part of the first, first bit mm-hmm. of it. Uh, the which involves a, a apprentice at the Torturers Guild. It starts off with this apprentice at the Torturers Guild called Severian. It's in his first person voice. And you know from the start, he is an unreliable narrator. About three chapters into it, he says, I also realized around this time I was completely insane. And he just says that very matter of fact, which is very funny because then you have to go through the rest of the book thinking like, is any of this actually true or not? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, two chapters before he said, I remember everything with a photographic memory. And then he like immediately contradicts himself, which is a very funny way of writing it. But also sort of goes to this overarching theme of forgotten knowledge. Right. Um, I, so it's very cool that the book is written in a way as to suggest the theme. Even the first person narrative uh, goes towards the structure of it is about forgotten knowledge as well. As opposed to the the, the content or uh, the writing itself, right? And but, so the, the, I can explain the title of the book a little bit. That'll sort of give you a sort of uh, insight on what it's about. Um, and so in this world, there's a religion, sort of, and everyone believes in something called the conciliator. 
Yeah. And the claw of the conciliator is his sim. It's like an object that represents him, and it's imbued with it's power. A it's a yeah. well, it's imbued with power, and it's like a piece of him, basically. Uh, and so everyone believes that their son is dying, which it is, because it's yeah. red. It's a big old red sun, which is what our sun will turn into one day, a red mm-hmm. giant, and then it'll explode. Yeah. So everyone believes that the conciliator will come and will take the old sun away and get a new sun. The coming of the new sun. And it's going to flood the world and cleanse it of all its impurities. And then the giving rise to like a, a, a rejuvenated populace and culture. Yeah, sort of a Noah's Ark type, thi- type thing. Yeah, because everyone kind of agrees shit sucks on um, mm-hmm. on Earth. And the name of the planet they're on is Earth, spelled U-R-T-H. Yeah, Earth. 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 So um, I think Gene Wolfe's kind of making it clear here that this is um, potentially an allegory. <laughs> yeah, I think that you might see a little parallels yeah. between Earth and Earth if you're being clever. Yeah. I mean, Gene Wolfe, it should also be mentioned, is very Catholic. Yes. So that informs a lot of uh, the, the sentiments in this book. He is, but I believe he's a, sort of like into mysticism. And mm. Catholics who are into mysticism like to get weird with it. Yeah. They get real weird with it. And sometimes They love fun. skeletons. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Yeah, they're always collecting bones and shit. Oh, okay, okay. You know, ossuaries, putting them into ossuary. And there's lots of bones in this book. Right, like beneath Paris. I guess those were all like mystics, old mystics who were like, we need to bury all the bones. Yeah, we need to do the bone magic. How can you not have uh, Catholic bone magic? You know, you talk about forgotten knowledge. It's the Catholic bone magic. Uh. Um, So, but uh, anyway, the, the book... Sort of begins, and Severian is, um, basically, he saves the life of a revolutionary, right? Mm -hmm. The first part of the book is he's wandering around this cemetery, and he comes across some grave robbers who are robbing a body, and they don't know why. And the leader of the group is this revolutionary Mm -hmm. who wants to take down the autark. Yeah, Vodalus. Right. Short for Vodalarius. And the, the Autark is like the one main leader of the whole planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, that's wrong. He's the one main leader of this country. There's other countries on Earth that are not yeah. led by. They're having a. They're going to have a war with one of the other countries, actually. Yeah. Um, but he's sort of the representative of Earth when they start interacting with uh, extraterrestrials who eventually make an appearance. Um, mm-hmm. There's like these extraterrestrials that end up showing up, and they're like. Oh, we're the ones actually controlling everything. Oh, Heather, uh, we're aliens. We're called the Hierogrammates, and we're controlling all of Earth. And we have to wear a mask because we're too ugly, because if you see us, you'd scream and have a breakdown. It's very funny. Uh, yeah. They're so very polite. They're, they're angels. It's angels. Right. They're very polite. They're like, we're, we have to put this mask on, because if you saw our true mm. nature, you'd scream. You'd poop yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, was he influenced by like H.P. Lovecraft or cosmic horror in that way? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't well, know because I I would compare it to Elden Ring, right? I I'm sure George R. R. Martin loves Gene Wolfe. I'm sure he's read Gene Wolfe. Yeah, uh, and I let me tell you, I was playing Elden Ring and reading these books at the same time last year when they came out, when Elden Ring came out, yeah. and I had a blast and. It reinvigorated my 
love of fantasy and sci-fi because I was mm-hmm. like, holy shit, there's a guy who's really, really good at writing who's doing science fiction and fantasy. Yeah. I, I didn't know there was a guy like this. Uh, I, it's really good cool. because you see it in Elden Ring. There are sci-fi elements to it that, where usually mm-hmm. when uh, something it, in fantasy, something comes from sort of magic or some sort of pagan earth force or something like that. But uh, in in this version, people are manipulated by the stars. You know, uh, there's some sort of calamity from outer space that is affecting uh, the way humans are affecting the the real power flows of uh, our planet. So there's this acknowledgement that we're very small. The the sort of terror of cosmic horror breaches into this book as well, which I think is funny coming from a Catholic. You know, what if God wasn't this sort of benevolent force? What if God was an alien mm-hmm. that or like uh, or something knowable as an alien is knowable? Yeah, I don't think they—they're not God. They're created by God. I mean, ultimately, it, they are Catholic works, and there's there is some, like Judeo-Christian interpretations you can make of the text. You don't have to read it that way, but you should be aware that other people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but this becomes much more apparent in the Book of the Long Sun, which mm-hmm. is the Giganto series sequel to the Book of the New Sun. And in the Book of the Long Sun, it's taking place on a something called a generational spacecraft. Yeah. And that's, um, this is a trope that has been done in by other writers. I think um, Kim Stanley Robinson has a uh, book about a generational spacecraft. And the concept there is it's sort of what it sounds like. It's a something you're going to be riding on in space for like, 100, 200, maybe 300 years, and so there's going to need to be generations of people living on it. Yeah. Which is a fun idea. Mm-hmm. Because you got, what are you going to do? You're going to have like a, you're going to have to have like a hospital in there with like a, like some baby, you got to have babies, you're going to have to have a nursery. You're going to have to have a farm in there. You're going to have what? to uh, open what you gonna, app harvest in space. Have, yeah, you know, you have a phone. You have a phone when you're, yeah. okay? <laughs> You don't need... <laughs> yeah, well, we have phones now, so now it's very understandable how people will be able to operate on a generational ship. In space. But yeah, generational yeah. ships... Look at Wally. It's such a popular idea that it has entered our, our mainstream popular consciousness. If I was on a, if I was isolated on a, on a spaceship for 300 years, as long as if I had my phone and my Wi-Fi, I think I'd be fine. I could do it, yeah, as long as I had my Wi-Fi and my sites. As long as I could still go to my sites, <laughs> I, you know, still I think check, that would be cool. I could still check vice.com. Yeah, I could st- if I could still go on Twitter and complain that Elon Musk is ruining Twitter, I think I would be happy on the generational spaceship. That's uh, why we have to keep Elon Musk alive for 400 years. We have to upload his brain into an AI so that he's always fucking up Twitter so that I always have something to complain about. Right. Um, yeah. So on, anyway, on, in Book of the Long Sun, you're on this uh, spacecraft that's traveling... And it's been going for 400 years. It's a long time. And stuff has gone wrong. <laughs> okay? it's They're in bad shape. They have all forgotten that they're on a spaceship. That's no good. And so no one... no. It's very funny. No one has any fucking idea that they're actually on a spaceship. 
they think that that they're like that's how the world is this is the world the and outside of our world is a black void hurtling by and we seem to be going very fast <laughs> and they're like our world is shaped like a long tube uh and there are many cities that revolve around the tube and also like uh, I can't remember. There's like the way the reason it's called Long Sun is because down the center of this tube, there's the light mm-hmm. that's on, and then uh, the lights turn off at night because a big ah. shade, a big shade goes up over it, and so they call it shade up and shade down. Those are the two times. Like instead of evening, morning, or evening, they are, they have shade low, they have shade up, they have shade down. Right. Yeah. And eventually, so you don't. As the reader, you're not totally aware of all of this at the beginning, and you mm-hmm. slowly start to piece together. You're like, "Why do these fuckers keep saying shade up?" Yeah, because like, they're, they're talking about the sun. They're like, "Ah, the, the shade, the shade over the sun went down. It's time to go to bed." And you're like, "What? Are they on some kind of dang spaceship?" And yep, they yeah. are. They Turns fucking out they're are. on some sort of dang spaceship. They're on a fucking dang old spaceship. Um, uh, and they have a they have a very convoluted religion. That's going on. Mm-hmm. They do sacrifices. They do augury. So they they play around with the guts to, to determine the future. Yeah, that's a fun thing to do. And they they believe in this pantheon of gods. They're polytheistic, so they believe in this pantheon of gods mm-hmm. who all used to appear on something called a glass, which mm-hmm. is a TV monitor. They all and so the gods used to appear to them on these TVs. But they've stopped appearing recently. Uh, but it turns out the gods are Gilligan's Island, right? It's that's the twist at the so end. Is the god? Yes, the, you have the what? Profe- you have the professor, you have Gilligan, you have yes, dude. How did you know? So then, wait, is that actually true? <laughs> yep. And so then it's the professor, it's Gilligan, it's the ca- the captain, it's the the two yeah. ladies, and then the yeah, the rich Ginger old couple, and Marianne, yeah, the, the rich old couple yeah. as well. Do you remember their names, the rich old couple? Uh, no, I don't remember the rich old couple. Email but those us are at, the gods. Email us at houseofdecline at gmail.com if you remember the names of the old couple on Gilligan's Island for a chance to win free tickets to House of Decline's 2035 convention. Yeah, yeah you can win tickets to that. We're going to have a convention in 2035. It's being announced now. That's the secret yeah. reason I have to take off from the podcast. I have to go prepare for the convention. Plan the convention, yeah. I have to prepare Plan for the for convention. Plan for DeclineCon, yeah. DeclineCon. We're going to get all the top <laughs> Decline celebrities. We're going to get every washed-up has-been. We're going to get Rob Schneider. We're going <laughs> to... We were, we're, we're going to get, get Gilbert Spade. We're going to get Gilbert Gottfried, but, of course, then, tragically, he died. I mean, being died is really being ult- the ultimate form of washed-up, right, you know? You know that guy can't book a can't book a job anymore. He's dead. Yeah. You know he can't even he can't even book a corpse on Law and Order, and he is a corpse. You know how embarrassing is that? Can't even method act as a corpse. I think that's what you should be allowed to do. If you have a recently deceased person, you should be allowed to like put them in a few episodes of Law and Order to make some cash. I love cash. I'm- yeah. <laughs> I love that thing. <laughs> Let me tell you, cash. Cash money, one of the best things that you can have, you know. Yeah. It's better than a stake and a blowjob, is what I always say. You ever have those at the same time? I was thinking about That's... stuff like that, and I was like, I don't think I would want them at the same time. 
Would you balance the plate on the blow blower's head? Listen, <laughs> I don't want to be doing much else besides focusing on that, okay? Yeah. It would be, uh, I feel it would be a pleasure overload. Like, uh, I, I, and I don't want to permanently associate steak eating with getting my dick sucked and ruin my appetites like George, George exactly. Costanza in that It's one a episode, George Costanza yeah. move. It's it, trying to be a hedonist. Yeah. You know? Um, it's like when Jerry is, I, I really identify with Jerry Seinfeld when he talks about why he doesn't want to do a threesome. Yeah, because like, he, he start, has to get oils and I'll sheets. I have to start wearing necklaces. I can't do that. I'm not an orgy guy. I have to be an orgy guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's also, there's a whole lifestyle yeah. associated with it that I, I don't need any part of. I'm know. a little I'm bit too being. anxious to be an orgy guy. <laughs> yeah. I'd be nervous if, is everyone getting, is everyone being served? Is Am everyone I serving okay? everyone adequately? Are you doing yeah. okay? <laughs> Are you yeah. having a good time? <laughs> yeah, just constantly asking, just staring them directly in the eyes. Because like, if you're uncomfortable right now, I, it's okay to tell me if you're uncomfortable. You know, because I'm, I'm multitasking here. But you know how you can't really multitask? You can just switch your attention from one task right. to the other really quickly. And Yeah, you know, so that's maybe why I'm not performing. I'm sorry if I'm not. I'm sorry I'm going soft in you right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Happening. I like, I like, I prefer that as the sensation. I prefer yeah, the sensation. Yeah, it's like a little wiggly guy. Of a shrinking worm. Yeah, shrinking worm. That's what everyone wants in their hole. Sure. Yeah. yeah. As, hey, if it's if it's one of those sour bright crawlers in my mouth uh, hole, yeah. sign me up. Sign me up for that that sour sweet treat. Yeah, yeah. I, would you ever would you ever put sugar on your penis in an effort to make it more appealing to whoever would be blowing it? Isn't that the joke about dogs and peanut butter? Oh yeah, that is the joke about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that is those people are the that's bestiality. That's sort of sick. That that, is that's sick. like a very common joke. It's a sick joke. I guess because of how often people did it, people just made that decision one day. They say, "Hey, the dog licked my penis. If I put peanut butter on." Well, they they say they there's always there's always some guy from like the UK saying that about someone else from the UK because of some kind of weird national association, you know, like the Irish or the Scottish. Yeah. And they're sheep. Yeah, they're always putting... But uh, sheep, there's no stereotype about sheep eating peanut butter off of penises. <laughs> no, but you you have sex with the sheep. Right, you, have, you, don't, need to, you don't need to entice you them don't, because they're so docile. Yeah, they you eat, know, they eat just, the grass. They don't eat yeah. peanut butter. You can't get a sheep, a sheep to eat peanut... Can you get a sheep? You can probably oh. get a sheep to eat peanut butter. I really want a YouTube sheep eating peanut butter videos right now. Yeah, they would, that sheep would be crazy. He'd be licking shit off the roof of his mouth. He'd be wilding out. It's, he wouldn't be able to do shit. Yeah, I want to now. I want to look up videos of monkeys eating peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've established that it's very amusing when different animals try and eat peanut butter because it's sticky. It's too goddamn sticky. Yeah. Did you hear the news about peanut butter? Peanut butter was in the news lately. Did you hear this? You guys, you no, no. This? What's this about peanut butter? You peanut butter's in the news lately. The TSA has said that peanut butter is not is not a solid. It's a liquid. It's a liquid. It's a liquid, and therefore you can only have 2.5 ounces of peanut butter. Oh, no, I'll have to have my fun-sized peanut butter. i got to bring along the fun-sized peanut butter tubes. I uh, find the TSA to be so annoying and, like, unstandardized. It really changes each city you go to in America what yeah. the TSA is like. I've had, to, I've had TSA people yell at me to take my shoes off. I've had 
TSA people yell at me to put my shoes back on. I've been, told, uh, <laughs> I've been told to take my laptop out. I've been told to put my laptop and leave it in. I've been told to take my belt off. I've been told to put my belt back on. It's a, it's a series of standards. It's a series of traditional, uh, traditional standards. They've forgotten why they're doing it. They just comply. Yeah. It's like Book of the New Sun, in it a way. Is. They just they, they mean, don't know how anything works. They just do, keep doing it. Eventually, the, we'll, have the, we'll have the TSA, but no airplanes, right? Yeah. And so we'll just, and it, it, it'll just be, oh, they're travel, they're transportation security. So anytime you go anywhere, yeah. you have to take off your shoes. You have to take your laptop out of your bag. Yeah. <laughs> Why? The x-ray machines aren't plugged in. We don't have electricity. We're using fires. Okay. Why do I have to take my shoes off? Because that's how it's always been done. No, you have that's to raise your arms up done. above your head. You have to raise then, your arms above your head. And then someone with a rope pulls the broken x-ray thing. Like, to yeah. make it swing across in a facsimile of... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he makes little noises, too. Goes... Yeah. They have a, the they, noises. They have a conveyor belt that's, like, hand-cranked for the for luggage <laughs> yeah, that yeah. you put through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like this idea of people recreating the TSA in a post-apocalyptic situation just to hang on to normalcy. Yeah. Yeah, it's because yeah. of the norms. It's the only... The norms we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so cannot forget the norms we have. What happens in so there's book of the new sun. There's book of the long sun. Right. Book of the long sun is so what you find out eventually is that you, as I said that the world was dying in book of the new sun. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the leaders decides to send out this generational spaceship basically. A Noah's Ark. Yeah. It's like a no, it's the Noah's it's Ark. Noah's Ark, yeah. Or and, Battlestar Galactica. Right. And so they the, the Noah's Ark leaves. And the problem is they, by the time they get to where they're going, everybody has forgotten they're on a spaceship. And so nobody wants to get on the lifeboats to go to the new planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like, that, that's, a, that's a problem. Yeah. The ship can't last forever. It's starting to fuck up. Like, the shit's starting to, to stop working. They have a gigantic, they're, basically their gigantic heating and cooling system is starting to break down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're having climate change. <laughs> he called it. He got it. And they're like, and they don't want to get off the ship because they're just like, this is fine. It's the this is fine meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, uh, it's, the, it's the dog. The, the different, like, people start having a civil war. I mean, the ship's big enough to house over a million people. And yeah. there's different... Cities and nation states that sometimes have wars in mm-hmm. this 400 year history, like they're having a war, um, which generally the creator of the spaceship thought was going to be fine. He mm-hmm. kind of predicted that that would happen. That's kind of built in. So he, he made he made robot automatons that live underground that can come up and fight if need be. Sure. Um, but uh what happens is one of the people from this uh, religion where they're sacrificing and doing augury basically becomes a prophet and um, starts leading the people off the spaceship to the new world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that, that's what happens at the end of this. You know, I, I just basically summarized uh, 3,000 pages of, <laughs> of yeah, really dense yeah. sci-fi. Uh, but basically, he starts getting people off, and some people go. Make, they, some people make it to the new planet, and some people refuse to leave. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I mean that's sort of like a, 
uh, it's interesting that it's a, a, a Catholic text because it's sort of like anti-Catholic in a way that it predicts that sort of, sort of a, an evolution of humanity. It's like it's someone who is anti-traditional and provides. But I, at the same time, I guess it's also having faith in the initial intentions of the creator as well. So right. maybe well, positing so, that you can only evolve by adhering to the faith of the initial intentions I of mean, the creator. I mean, the reason that the the second series gets is more sort of... It's more obvious where the Judeo-Christian interpretation comes in. Um, it's because mm-hmm. the prophet basically is like, realizes there's one God. There's not a, yeah. there's not a, there's not a pantheon of polyistic gods. The, it turns out those are not really gods they're just the people who were really rich on the earth ah like they were just rich people like the rich the, the aristocrats and the and the one like the last shitty autark who yeah was like horrible yeah uh, it's not severian it's a different severian guy. isn't the shitty autark. no 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 severian severian turns out to actually be the conciliator so spoilers we at which spoilers. we announced. severian is the person who brings about um the uh the new sun. Now, if you ask me exactly how that occurs, I, I could not explain it very well because it gets really complicated and I have to read it again. Yeah. And that's kind of stated. I don't know if you got to that part, but that's kind of stated in the book, which is like, you only will understand this if you read it again. So I, I mm-hmm. do still have to read it again and complete it one more time, which is probably going to take another year. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's a long cycle. I'm really only interested in reading the Book of the New Sun again, though, not Long Sun. Long Sun's good, but um, it's even longer, mm-hmm. which maybe he did that on purpose. It also sounds like it is less fantasy-y and more sci-fi-y. It's more sci-fi-y, and um, there's the like some of the religious stuff that's a little annoying. Mm-hmm. Is he basically? <laughs> I mean, uh, he he lets himself slip only one time really that mm-hmm. i found annoying when i'm like okay you're too cat you're cat i can see you being catholic right now what that- is it is it about confession is it is <clears throat> no no no, no it's just like about god being real or whatever sure you know oh. i'm like a 2012 cringe reddit atheist right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so am i yeah it's too it's it's cool it's bad it's cool again Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah well, it's coming back. Listen, it's coming back. It didn't used to be cool for a while, but now it's going to be cool again. It's going to be cool because we like feminists now. Feminists are good. There the, is no oh, Gamergate. There's no Gamergate this time. That's right. There's no Gamergate this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're, the, we're cool atheists. We're the cool atheists. We're the cool atheists. We're, we're going like, to start the cool atheist we're not like, movement. We're not like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, we're not like we're not like Christopher Hitchens, who who tried to get a million Muslims killed and then succeeded. We don't do that. Yeah, we're not like Sam Harris. Sam Harris, who tried to get a million Muslims killed and also succeeded. Yeah, they um, the those well, those that was sort of the band of atheists who were like atheists about Muslims. <laughs> yeah, they really hated Muslims. It, it was really weird too during that time where. Even in like Hitchens' book, God is not great. He, I think, he states outright that he finds Islam to be the greatest threat to civilization, which is a uh, yeah, that's, that's an I odd know, thing. More than Christianity? That's odd. That's a very odd yeah. thing to think. Um, 
I mean, because, like, Protestant Christianity is arguably responsible for poisoning the earth <laughs> to the degree that we can't live on it anymore. Because of sort of that ideological, I take what I please uh, mindset. Yeah, that that's the common, I do what I want. Yeah, religion. I do what I want. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah, or the or the Danny McBride character, you mm -hmm. know, I take what I want and I am rewarded for it. You know, that's that sort of Protestant I'm mindset awesome. right there. Yeah, because the I am cool and God is on my side. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I was reading about Jester's privilege. I did a cartoon on Jester's privilege, and uh, talking more about how Martin Luther was the ultimate poster of all time. He actually invoked Jester's privilege. Uh, especially when he said that uh, cheekily that, ooh, priests should break their vows and have sex. Mm. <laughs> I am, you cannot accuse me. I am just as privileged. I am Martin Luther. <laughs> I am funny about how intensely weird I am. <laughs> sure, that's how they talked back then. I'm sure Gene Wolfe would have some seer. What would a Protestant book of the New Sun look like? It, it mm. would be uh, No New Sun Has Happened. Just everything works out. The red sun doesn't burn out, and uh, everything is fine. Well, I don't know how the first one would look. Um, it'd probably be a bit more like Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, Brandon Brandon I mean, Sanderson. It, it would. It would be Brandon Sanderson is. I don't know if Mormons count as Protestant, but they ain't yeah, Catholic. Sure. <laughs> They're Protestant. They ain't Catholic. Everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah, they also have, like, a very different attitude than Catholicism, like, guilt and confession and sin all works differently in Mormonism. Yeah. But, yeah, Brandon Sanderson, I guess the reason why we could talk about him is because he's also, uh, he, he's a much more generic fantasy writer. and right. uh, But that's why people like him, is because it's sort of this fast-moving, easy-to-understand uh you, your, your classic fantasy tropes, classic Dungeons and Dragons style fantasy tropes about um, heroes rising or finding some sort of MacGuffin, you know, I, I and, you know, the way they're written is one thing about Book of the New Sun I was uh, as I was reading it is how like it feels almost like picaresque in a way. It feels as if it sort of free flows from one thing to another. While there is a linear plot, it feels as if. You're watching vignettes mm -hmm. as opposed to seeing, like, a guy's direct journey from point A to point B. Like, you're sort of flitting through periods of time at sort of an uneven pace, which gives it a very, uh, I, I would describe, ethereal quality. Also, just, like, insanely good world building. Like, in, it's like it, it seems very consistent, too. Yeah. The way that everything is put together and the way that it all works together like a little puzzle. A little ticking clock. Yeah, it's very intricate. There's a lot of uh, history buried underneath. It's built on top of, as I was saying, thousands of years of history. Mm -hmm. So there, you, can, you could be an archaeologist and read this book and find things uh, buried in the words. There's... Um, in the introduction, they call attention to a sort of a one-off line that implies this entire world of rats. Like, <laughs> so the, the line is that the rats have developed their own language by arranging their own feces in different ways. <laughs> and, and so that sort of one-off line just sort of indicates that, okay, the, there's a rat universe going on simultaneously. They have mm -hmm. a little rat Severian with a little rat sword. 
and yeah. he's going to bring about the coming of the new rat son. So that's all going on at the same time. Yeah, and I don't think an idea that weird would appear in a Brandon Sanderson book. Right. Uh, but I don't know. I've never read well, any he Brandon wouldn't, Sanderson. Brand, Brandon Sanderson wouldn't write that without the purpose of it doing something in the story. This this line yeah. has never, is never, rats are never referred to again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a really cool detail that's added in because he writes for you to enjoy the reading as yeah. well as for, you know, Brandon Sanderson was saying he writes for the ending, um, which means he, he has to sort of get to the end and then the end is his bust. He busts his nut. Yeah. And that's it. Um, yeah, there's everything leads up to the climax of the plot. Whereas in this book, like uh, early in the in the book of the new son, there's just a chapter about how our main character nurses a dog back to health. Right. Just to sort of give you an expansion as to what his character is. And when, to, and when he actually when the big thing happens, when he becomes the autarch, basically, mm -hmm. and he becomes the leader of his gigantic nation. It, it happens in a completely unremarkable way, and you have to go back and re read it to make sure you, like, did that? Did he just assume the highest position of leadership in the land? Yeah. And he does, and when he does that, he drinks a magic potion that puts all of the memories of the previous leaders in his brain. Mm. And that's a, good, that's a good way of having an autark. Yeah, you know? yeah. Imagine, imagine if Joe Biden could use the Avatar state. Yeah, imagine if Joe Biden prisons. had everything that Trump, that everything that Obama, <laughs> all of Trump's knowledge, all, all of, of Trump, Obama's all knowledge, all of Obama's knowledge, all of George, all of w, Jimmy Carter's, all of George W. Bush's knowledge. Yeah, he knew he <laughs> would know about Gog and Magog hanging out between the Tigris and Euphrates. He would he would know about. <laughs> oh my God, dude, he'd be so fucked if he had that. He would know about barbecue. It's like. Oh, he's like, oh God, get Clinton's thoughts out of my brain, please, please get Clinton's thoughts out of my brain. Man, I was already having trouble staying away from the girls. Man, it was already it was already difficult for me. Now I want to do it while I'm eating pizza. <laughs> I believe that's what Bill Clinton did. He was eating pizza. Yeah, I, during all the the numerous times that he was uh, sexually assaulting people, he was eating pizza at the time. I mean, yeah, was, I'm pretty sure he was eating pizza while he Monica Lewinsky was there. Yeah, and him stuff. and him and Boris Yeltsin were eating McDonald's and high fiving while doing terrible things to some. Uh, people <laughs> that's true it's true it's 100 percent true it's documented um yeah in the movie the war room you could see him and james carville was in on it too james carville was sucking and fucking dude he's such he's a gone. little bald freak allegedly <laughs> now what you gonna do is gonna get down on my penis here cajun style <laughs> cajun style my yeah he would gonna get those numbers up <laughs> and what's it? Let, let the bon ton roulette or something? Let the bon ton roulette all over. Yeah. I, what do they say? Really this is something it. about bon ton roulette. Yeah, it's let the good times roll. Yeah. But they That's say it wrong. So, anyway, yeah, what, what were we talking about? Mistborn, Shatters Herself? Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> Brandon, uh, there was an article that came out in Wired about him, which was a. Uh, even though he seems to be sort of maligned by the greater writing community because he's a, a popular. Uh, like pop writer, he makes books for for normies. Let's call them normies. Sure, let's do that. Uh, so 
it's where you and even the even with that in mind you know this article seems particularly bitchy mm-hmm. and has like an a, a weird axe to grind against him just for the the crime of being easy to understand and you know it's not you know it's not fucking james joyce you know it's not gene wolf but it's not trying to be gene wolf it's this it's this other thing uh i guess you could uh say it's akin to Marvel movies, but at least this is just coming for, it seems like a lot more personal than Marvel movies, which is, I think something that's in its favor, even though it's weird and tropey, at least it has like a somewhat of a unique voice behind it. Somebody that is articulating his own world, which I think makes it a, a hair above other pop media in this regard. I wouldn't know. I've never read Brandon Sanderson. It could be total abject garbage trash. But uh, this article makes me want to read it, which uh, is interesting. But, yeah, it's even filled with, like, weird, like, backhanded stuff. Like, it's not that Brandon Sanderson can't write. It's more that he can't not write. Graphomania is the name of the condition, the constant compulsion to get words out, down as much as quickly as possible. The concept of a vacation confuses Sanderson, he once said, because for him, the perfect vacation is more time to write. Vocation as vacation. Also, this article is written terribly, so I don't know if you could criticize someone for their <laughs> for for their lack of uh, successful prose. I mean, listen. I think the it's the writing in the article's fine. Yeah, it's uh, overwrought. It's like uh, the it, the guy was like, ah, I, I I don't have anything to say about Brandon Sanderson, so he made up this whole long ash spiel where he basically says nothing other than he's and he comes off as condescending and i'm you take it i try to take things at face value i mean i don't know the writer of the article is a says it's a senior editor so he should know what he's doing but i don't see how you don't get like a little bit in trouble from i mean maybe if he doesn't have a boss then he's not going to get in trouble but um he did not do the task he did not understand the assignment he did not he do didn't the understand the assignment, it's honey. A, it's a case of not understanding the assignment because, like, that's not what you're supposed to do. He it, was this supposed to be a hatchet job against Sanderson? He appeared in an interview for it. Well, like, here's I, here's more from the article. Yeah. Uh, at that rate, none of the words could possibly be any good. They'd be right in a way, and that's what Sanderson agrees with. At the sentence level, he is no great gift to English prose. It's so mean. It's <laughs> so unnecessarily mean. The early books especially. My God. <laughs> it says my God in the article. Here's a sample sentence. It was going to be a very it was going to be very bad this time. Another one. She felt a feeling of dread. There's a penchant for redundant description. A city is tranquil, quiet, peaceful. Many things from buildings to beasts are enormous. Dark places more thesorically are colliginous. And uh, almost every page of Mistborn, his first and probably most beloved series, a character sighs, frowns, raises an eyebrow, cocks a head, shrugs, or snorts. Sometimes at the same time. Sometimes multiple times a page. I count seven books in which one of the characters frets about their metaphors. I have trouble with metaphors, one literally says of his own work. Sanderson has said, I detest rewriting. I write for endings, and I write to relax. It shows. He writes by one metric at a sixth grade reading level. So, I mean, it just sounds like you hate stuff that's popular. It just sounds like you hate stuff that's easy to understand because anyone who would enjoy it is a dummy. Sure. I mean, he. I think he's probably right. I think it probably does suck. 
Yeah, I'm sure it does suck. But, but when you when you you know if you point if you go around pointing out that everything sucks now, people are gonna call you a little bitch because yeah, you're people being... hate you. She's <laughs> nihilistic. I'm not. No, yeah, I'm not they're gonna call you a nihilist without understanding uh, what the word means. No, no, I can't. I can't be mean, and I'm also not bringing that up because it's boring. It's boring, and I've already discussed it on other podcasts. That's right. Go check out, I think it's called Cold Cuts. Cold Cuts, yeah. Go yeah, check out y- Cold Yola Cuts. Swags and Beetle Moses' podcast. Go listen to that. Alex will discuss in detail the trauma that he experienced and underwent. I experienced so much trauma. I will recount in detail. I, I will never get over it. Oh, my God. They came for, the woke mob came for me. They finally, no, it's well, nothing this is, happened. This is the same kind, this kind of article could have been written about George Lucas, I think, right? This is the same yeah. kind of treatment he got, where people were like, oh, I went to your so-called genius's house, and guess what? He was wearing a corduroy pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, there, there were a lot of articles about George, uh, like that, about George Lucas around the time of the prequels, but the prequels have since been reevaluated. Some as well. Yeah, because everyone got dumber. And they were like, oh, <laughs> oh, actually, it, it was good. Actually, it was good because I like colors. I like to see color. Because <laughs> they took away all the colors from the mainstream movies. Yeah, yeah. Which is insane. Or like, um, like the president was like, sir, the people are being too riled up by these Star Wars prequels with their flashy colors. I'm imagining that the president and his assistant is basically Fraser and Niles. Yeah. <laughs> And Fraser's like, no, the people cannot have colors. And so then they took out all the colors from the Marvel movies and made it washed out and look like shit. Yeah. But we used to have colors. We used Remember to. colors? Where's Rainbow Bright when you need her? This is her time to shine. And she, you know, she disappeared when we needed her most. I think that it would be so funny if they made like a Rainbow Bright movie, a remake of Rainbow Bright, but it was all gray and washed out. It like, looked like a Denis Villeneuve movie. Okay, here's my conspiracy like about why they do so many reboots. Because I, I think yeah. they're trying to make us sick of the reboots so that then when they boot up a brand new intellectual property that's just become available to them, we'll like go hog wild on it. Like, so you're saying they're doing reboot accelerationism? Exactly. They're doing the yeah. accelerationism within the cinematic universe of doing reboots. And so now the New York Times is like, guess what? Judy Bloom has finally been optioned for a film, and six different Judy Bloom film and TV shows are coming out next year. Everybody get ready to watch and subscribe. Finally, Judy Bloom is gonna be. And it's like, okay, great. I also, I read Judy Bloom. I love Judy Bloom. She's still alive. She lives in Florida. That's funny. She's got a bookstore with cats you can go visit. Uh, <laughs> That doesn't mean I need to see all the new actresses and actors and shitty people make dumbed-down renditions, but there you go. Uh, there, you know, that's, uh, we'll finally get a new Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, yep. but it will be for these TikTok teens, and it will be called Are You There, God, It's Me, Optimism. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, thought you said I don't we, know what that means. I thought you said we weren't going to talk about that. No, we won't talk about it. I mean, it's it's hard not to because it was a very funny thing that happened to me recently. And so funny. Like, I'm not hurt or anything like that. There's no great moral quandary. I apologized. Uh, I guess for people that didn't uh, see it or maybe were away on Twitter, 
uh, I, I produced something with a guest of the show, Steve, and uh, it was a satirical. It's not even satirical. Not, not I don't satire. know what it is. It's a parody. Yeah, it's a parody. It's a it's a parody of children's books that he wrote ten years ago and he commissioned recently, and uh, it was called "You Are Not Special." And it's just a litany of depressing things with the sad little guy acting out the depressing things. And the joke is, this would be a bad book for ch children. This would be stupid. And uh, But then a lot of people didn't find it funny, found the humor dated, and it sm snowballed to the point where you got 20,000 quote tweets of people calling it lame and in some cases, you know, saying this is actively harmful. Because, you know... It's, well, you also it's got a, the Twitter crazy people being like, we have to kill all the nihilists. Well, yeah, that's, you know, that's... I don't mind getting the death threats or, like, the killing threats because that's Twitter, you know? I signed up for this. I, I, knew, I knew I would get the killing threats. I knew I would get the, the kill yourself. I, you know, it's a shame that I'm not a lobby anymore because that's usually... The beauty of being a lobby is you can feel free to say kill yourself to anybody without fear of having... Your account, my precious account, taken away. Yeah, but at this point, you could do one of those, like, looking for my closest 100,000 friends posts on, <laughs> on a new account yeah. called, like, House of Recline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're that like, what, the this, this, this account's all about taking it laid back style. We're kicking it back style. <laughs> yeah, we're kicking it back easy styles. You've heard of the grill pill? We're talking about the chill grill pill. It's one more ill than chill grill. That's what we're saying. I Does the term take a chill pill? That predates red pill and blue pill. Chill pill yeah. was the first pill you were supposed to take. I think a chill pill is a reference to the over-medication of 60s housewives. Yeah. And the, uh, I think that was a. I think a chill pill meant Valium. Dude, that, I love but that shit. I, I associate chill pill with '80s Valley girls. Take a chill pill. Oh my god! Oh, and it, it comes from with a spoon. It comes from Valium. Interesting. Interesting. Wow, everything's starting to make sense now. Oh my god, Alex. Does it come from Valium? Did you just look that up? No, but it totally makes sense. Chill pill. A chill pill is like. They used to call it Mommy's Little Helper. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was the mailman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's was, getting some on the side. I was three years old, and oh, the mailman's lying on Mommy. Yeah. That happened to me. <laughs> that happened to me. And then it went, then I was like, oh, the TV repairman. He keeps coming to repair the TV, but it's not broken. And then he's lying on Mommy. Yeah, the pizza guy. He's always coming over and saying he has sausage on the pizza, but it turns out he's lying on mommy. And then, why do I hear the sounds of slapping coming from my dad's room when his best student, his best male student is there? <laughs> why? Oh no, there's a whole clown car here, and they're all coming out of, the, all the 70 clowns are coming out of the clown car <laughs> and lying on daddy <laughs> and mommy. <laughs> and they're all going, hur, 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 hur. <laughs> Did you see that, like, um, inspirational post from Reddit about the guy who wanted to fuck a clown? Yeah, and then he did it. Th then there was a clown girl who was like, I I'm down. And then, they and then they, like, fucking fell in love. 
Yeah, it's so nice. It's it's so nice. He just put that out there in a moment of pure vulnerability. He was like, oh, I want to fuck a clown so bad. I have a, I have a different I theory about what's going on. I have a different theory. I think we're experiencing a psyop here. I think this is a psyop. Uh, this is this is just to get more people into clown fetishism because the big makeup companies yeah. are you wanting to fuel that. The big clown makeup companies. They're are doing psychological tests on us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're actually on a gigantic spaceship, and we need to get off. We need to get off soon. Yeah, okay? yeah. And they're trying to see if they can make us believe stuff. Like uh, maybe, about... maybe they. Because <laughs> we're just going, we have to go to clown world. <laughs> clown world. Clown world. <laughs> that's where we're going, and people are resisting clown world. You know, but that's the, the we need the clown prophets to come and lead us to clown world. Yeah, they do. Um, man, it's kind of like we're living in a clown world already, yeah, though. Goddamn, goddamn Joker and Lady Gaga, Harley Quinn movies coming out. Lady Jaja. Lady Jaja. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Lady I Gaga. Think, I think that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. I yeah, don't care. me too. I, yeah. I, I like the previous Joker movie. It was very uh, genuinely misanthropic and weird in, in Todd Phillips's canon. Uh, he is a generally misanthropic and weird guy. Yeah, I really hope that they link up with Robert Pattinson, uh, Batman. Because mm-hmm. those two, we need to get Joaquin and Robert Pattinson on the same screen immediately. Yes. These are my two favorite actors in the world. <laughs> and I am not joking. I am not joking here. No, I'm best. not being a joker. Okay. They are my two can, favorite can actors. You, what, what's your best Joaquin uh, Phoenix impression? I can't do it. I can't do. You do I, a weird guy. What, what if you're really? What if you're a really weird guy? Say stuff kind of loose all the time. And you're like Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> so, uh, I think, I don't know I how think that's sounds. okay. I'm not sure. I think you might need to uh, go back to school on that. You might go. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix school. <laughs> I can. I, sadly, I was only good at doing a River Phoenix impression. Oh, oh, oh. no! That's sad. it's sad that he died because you can't do that impression anymore. It's sad. I can't do it. It's, it's too mean. I can do the impression of Keanu finding him outside the Viper Room. No, no, no! That's too mean. Don't do <laughs> oh, that. No, <laughs> no, no! <laughs> no, no, no! Don't. That's too sad. That's too sad. We love Keanu. John Wick Four is supposed to be amazing. I think John, wasn't that that was when Johnny Depp owned the Viper Room? I think. Yeah. And Johnny Depp got in trouble. It was a, a fucking shit show. Yeah, yeah. Also, somehow I think Gibby Haynes from the Butthole Surfers is involved in it. Oh, I is he the it, one that gave him the GHB? No, I don't think. <laughs> Did he die of GHB? <laughs> I don't know. He, he didn't die. It was a heroin overdose. Um. Well, think we're coming to the end of the episode. And I just want to say it's been my pleasure to serve as co-host for three years. We've hit the three-year mark. We have over 200 episodes. But good things can't last forever or else you'll get a brain freeze because it's too good. Mm -hmm. You get get brain freeze too good. So you got to change things up. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to change things up. I'm going to go live inside a cubicle and work for Mm -hmm. the man and um, change the world that way. And Alex is going to. Um, I'm going become, to get canceled more gonna, on Twitter. <laughs> he's going to become <laughs> a optimist for every cartoon from now on. 
Uh, well, yes, uh, no, I'm never trying that pessimism again. I'm, it's right out. It's right out, or at least framed a little more uh, elegantly. Yeah, man, my cat is making a ruckus. She she needs to be let out of the room. So that's the clarion call to end this my last free bonus or uh, non-bonus episode of House of Decline. But of course, if you want to hear more of me. You go to patreon.com slash house of decline, hit that $5 subscribe button for the low, low cost of $5. You can hear much, much more of me as well as a free comic, not free, but you know what I mean? A comic you every day, I mean. an exclusive comic every day, exclusive, yeah. nowhere else can you get nowhere else. And they are really good. He does not hold back on the pessimism on the exclusive comics. They are some mm. of the most bleak stuff I, I'm. Yeah, I'm only telling children to like they are terrible on right. these comics. You yeah. know, that's that's the only thing I do. Like, and you often target like special needs children. Often uh, target, yes, often frequently, target. Yeah. frequent uh, source of my ire. It's punching I'm just down like, special needs children. <laughs> it's, punch- it's it's punching down all the way, <laughs> all the way punching down. I find as down as I can go, and I punch there. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's like. It's like, you know, Slumdog Millionaire? It's like, he's punching that style. I'm, yeah, yeah, even lower than Slumdog. No millionaire. I'm just punching Slumdogs all over the place. Okay, one last thing. What, what about Slumdog Chameleonaire? <laughs> Slumdog Chameleonaire. That's, that? that's, that's a bit. That's, there... a, that's a bit from 2006. <laughs> that's the ultimate bit from 2006. <laughs> when did Slumdog Millionaire come out? Slumdog Chameleonaire. Slumdog Chameleonaire. That's sure. Thank sure. you. Thank you. That that'll I'll bow out on a high note. Thanks for listening, everyone. And listen to House of Decline next week with mystery guest.